Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the 2023 PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club. We're going to be doing our DFS preview, betting preview, and one and done preview all in one episode here. Nice and convenient for you. If you missed our first episode of PGA Championship week, go ahead, check out the podcast feed. Yesterday, we did our course preview and breakdown, uh, as well as talking about the key stats and trends and talking about the type of golfer that is going to succeed here, as well as the comp courses to Oak Hill. So if you missed that, I recommend to go check it out now because there's a lot of information discussed in that episode that can really fill you in on a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about in this episode uh, and really just some stuff that can help you win big no matter whether you're playing DFS or betting or one and done for the PGA Championship as well as what we're going to be talking about here in this episode. This episode is going to be a little more game theory based, a little more picks based as opposed to yesterday that was just purely information. So if you like what you're hearing on Mike's Money Picks, please hit that subscribe button and you'll be notified when new episodes drop. We are currently in a season where we're going to be doing golf content every week. So if you like this preview for the PGA Championship, come back next week for the Charles Schwab Challenge. And we're also going to have a lot of season-long fantasy football content coming your way as we get closer to NFL season. We've already got our top five best ball drafting strategies out, as well as our 2023 rookie rankings. Just check out the podcast feed for those episodes, and we've gonna, we're going to have more content coming your way for NFL fantasy football. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get started here with our PGA Championship preview. So like I said, we're going to talk about DFS, betting, and one and done. We're going to kind of cover DFS and betting all in one foul swoop, and then at the end, we're going to talk about one and done. So let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify, and let's get rolling. The PGA Championship is our second major championship of the year. And I got to say, when you look at the recent history of major championship winners, it has not really been a whole lot of long shots. Phil Mickelson with his PGA Championship at Kiowa Island in 2021 is way more the outlier than the norm. And for the most part, over the past three years, major champions haven't necessarily been the chalky favorites to win the golf tournament, but have been guys that have been coming in with odds that are shorter than 25 to 1 and guys that are pretty much considered some of the top 10 or top 20 golfers in the world before they win their major championship. So if you're placing an outright bet this week, I'm going to profile exactly where I would probably stop with outright bets, but I'm definitely looking to target some of the top golfers in the world. Now, when it comes to top golfers in the world, for building a DFS lineup, I think it is all about the big three. That is John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Roy McIlroy. John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler are due to be the highest owned players in the DraftKings and FanDuel player pools this week, they are the top two in pricing. And in my opinion, they are clearly the two best golfers in the field. John Rahm is just elite at pretty much everything. And his total driving will give him an advantage. He is very long and very accurate off the tee. We saw this when he won the Masters back in April. However, it does not bode well for him that he wins back-to-back majors. The last time that we had a guy win the first two majors of a calendar year was 2015 when Jordan Spieth won the Masters and then the U.S. Open. So it's a very short and elite list that have done that, but I absolutely think Rom has the chops to do it. Now, Scotty Scheffler, on the other hand, he's an elite shot maker. Anytime where par is a good score, Scotty Scheffler is a good play at that golf course because he just has a way of getting out of every sticky situation that he finds himself in, every awkward lie, every awkward shot. And he just seems to make it look so easy. And that ability is going to just give him a really good chance to win this golf tournament. He has the absolute highest floor out of anyone in this tournament, in my opinion. If you're playing a cash game lineup, I'm probably absolutely starting it with Scotty Scheffler. If you look back at his game log, dating back to November, his worst finish is 12th. It's insane. 
And when you look at that stretch too, he's had some pretty bad putting weeks. And when the putter really cooperates, you get the wins like he did at TPC Scottsdale, like he almost did at the Byron Nelson this past week, like he almost did at... Um, Bay Hill. There's just a list that keeps on going and going of when Scotty Scheffler's positive with the putter, he tends to win or come close to winning the golf tournament. Now, I do think you can make an argument for fading both Rom and Scheffler. Like I said, they're going to be high owned in DFS, uh, and neither have actually won at a par 70 golf course. That's kind of a weird stat, but it's true. So I think a lot of these guys, maybe the main reason for that is the fact that they really do a lot of their scoring on par fives, and there's only going to be two of them here at Oak Hill. I know that's kind of a like a very like nitpicky detail, but when you really start to separate guys at the top, you do have to pick nits in terms of deciding whether you're not whether you are or are not going to deploy these guys in your DFS lineups or put them on your betting card. So, Raman Scheffler, two best guys in the field, no problem playing either of them, but for DFS purposes, if you want to fade for ownership, I have no problem with it. Now, the third guy in the big three is Rory McIlroy, whose recent form is going to drive his ownership way, way down. However, Rory McIlroy has got a lot of narrative-based play here this week. His wife is from Rochester, New York. He actually met her at the 2013 PGA Championship. And so during the pandemic in 2020, Rory and his wife were living in Rochester and he was playing a lot of rounds at Oak Hill. So he will probably have more course knowledge than anyone, especially considering the course was remodeled in 2019. Rory has also shown the ability in his career to win without good recent form coming in. In fact, his first career win at the 2010 Wells Fargo Championship came off of a missed cut at the Masters. And just last year, he missed the cut at the Valero Texas Open before he came in runner up at the Masters. If we get to Wednesday and it seems like everybody is talking about Rom Scheffler, Rom Scheffler, Give some love to Rory because I really think he does make for a really solid play in DFS. If he is going to be low owned, he's going to be a great contrarian play. However, on paper, Rahm and Scheffler are much better plays than Rory McIlroy, and I think they're more likely to win the golf tournament than Rory McIlroy. But I think Rory does make a good narrative play, and I think the ownership does draw me to him a little bit in DFS. Now, next up for DFS purposes are Colin Morikawa and Brooks Kepka, and I think they're going to be very low owned. It, just my personal opinion. I think everybody is going to start their lineups in DraftKings and FanDuel with one of the big three, Rom, Scheffler, or McElroy. And then the little next tier of guys will be their second guy in. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of people rushing to start their lineups with Kyle Morikawa or Brooks Kepka. Now, for Morikawa specifically, I do not think this course sets up very well for him. He's not a very long off the tee player, and his short game is truly terrible. And I think that you're going to have to have that short game this week and be able to get up and down and make pars if you want to win this golf tournament his path to victory would be pretty much just to hit every fairway and hit every green and just hope that he can roll in enough putts um to you know win the tournament and i just don't really see that being the case i, I don't think this sets up well for him morikawa is close to a full fade for me this week now i do think this course sets up per perfectly for brooks kepka we talked about yesterday in the course preview he is one of my two ride or dies this week brooks kepka and tony finau and so I got to be honest, I'm kind of irritated his price is this high on DraftKings and FanDuel. I was really thinking we were going to get a discount on him, but I think that his runner-up performance at the Masters really drove that price tag up. However, I just think this course sets up perfectly for him. Kepka has won two majors in the state of New York, and he really excels at these par 70s, at these courses where 
he can just consistently hit fairways, hit greens, give himself looks at birdie, but grind out pars and just be unfazed the entire round. That's kind of the formula for success for Brooks Kepka. And so I really think this is another course where that style of play is going to play well. It's why Brooks Kepka is so good at major championship golf. And that is why he is one of my rider dies this week. In DFS, I really do wish he were cheaper, but I think that the ownership being low does make him a little more of an appealing play. Now, looking at the DraftKings board, four of the next five golfers on DraftKings are all going to be super popular. I think they're all reasonable to bet to win. Like I said, I think it's more likely than not that the winner of this tournament comes from a guy who's top 10 or top 20 in the world. But I think if you're talking about from a DFS perspective, balanced builds are going to play two of these guys that are in the 9K range. And there's going to be a lot of people who try to squeeze in Rom Scheffler or McElroy with one of these guys as the second guy into their lineup. Now, let's go ahead and break some of these guys down. So Xander Schauffele has the best recent format of anyone not named John Rom, and his major championship history, while he hasn't won one, has been pretty elite. He has 16 top 25 finishes in 13 major starts. That's about two-thirds of the time that he finishes in the top 25. That's pretty good. Now, Patrick Cantlay, his best friend, has not had a bad finish since the Phoenix Open, and he plays super well at all my comp courses that I talked about on yesterday's episode. And Patrick Cantlay's ball strike in this calendar year has been absolutely elite. If you get the short game and the putter cooperate, Patrick Cantlay absolutely has the chops to be able to win this golf tournament. Now, Justin Thomas is your defending champ of this event. This season has not been a good one for Justin Thomas. He's disappointed a lot, but it's really just because of his putter. He has not been good with the putter at all this calendar year, and if he gets that putter to come around, he's going to have a chance to win the golf tournament. He is an elite short game player with his around the green play, and so I just really think that if he can just roll in the rock a few times, this could be the week that Justin Thomas picks up the Wanamaker Trophy for the third time, and I really also think that Justin Thomas is a bargain on DraftKings compared to FanDuel. Uh, I think he really could be priced up there near where Morikawa and Kepka are. Now, of this range, Tony Finau, is my favorite. Like I said earlier, he is my ride or die along with Brooks Kepka. His history at PGA Championships is deceptively good. He has three top tens in his career. And at major championships in New York, he's played pretty well. He was fifth at Shinnecock Hills and eighth at Winged Foot in 2020. Excuse me. And I just think he has the game that fits this course perfectly. He's long and straight off the tee. He is an elite approach player who's going to hit a lot of greens. And if he doesn't hit the green, he is pretty doggone good at his short game. People really don't give him a lot of credit for it, but he is really good around the green. And if the putter cooperates, he wins, which he has done three times in the past calendar year. So if you get another week here where the putter cooperates for Tony Finau, then I think it sets up really well for him. And by the way, his wins, with the exception of the Mexico Open, tend to come at bent grass courses. Detroit Golf Club, 3M Open, Liberty National. I just think everything sets up well for perfectly for Finau this week, and that is why he is my ride or die. Now, the guy in the 9K range on DraftKings that is going to go under-owned is Jordan Spieth. Understandably, people are concerned with his wrist injury coming off of that missed cut at the Wells Fargo where he kind of just ejected after finding the water twice on hole 18. But I don't know. I, I kind of feel like he wouldn't be playing if he wasn't good to go. Obviously, we want to make sure that we get some sort of information on that locked in before we have a Will Zalatoris at the Masters situation on our hands. But I kind of just think that, like, 
Jordan Spieth just has this magic about him, man. Like, he just has this short game ability to get up and down from seemingly anywhere. He just has the ability to hit any shot that he needs to at any given moment. And if it all comes together for a week, he's going to complete the career grand slam and lift the Wanamaker trophy. I just don't know if it will or not, but I'm willing to take that gamble if he's going to be low-owned on DraftKings, which I absolutely expect him to be. Now, in terms of the DraftKings pricing, I think there is a drop-off right here at $9,400. Uh, from $9,400 to $9,000, I have very little interest in that range, and I think that they'll all be relatively low-owned, but I just don't think that they make for particularly great plays. Now, Cam Smith is coming off of a loss in a playoff in the last live event, but he's pretty close to a full fade for me. I just don't think this course suits his game at all because he is neither long nor accurate off the tee. So I think he's just going to be putting himself in situations where he has to hit long irons out of the rough. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on his iron game and on his short game, which we know to be some of the best in the world. But I just think that he's going to put too much pressure on himself for that. Not going to be able to make enough birdies uh, to win this tournament. Victor Hovland is kind of the opposite he has the ball striking. He's great off the tee. He's great on approach, but I worry about his short game. He just can't seem to chip or putt recently. Now, weirdly enough, if you look at his major championship history, his short game in those events has been pretty good. So I don't really know how to explain that part of it and that correlation, but just looking at what he's done recently in general, I'm fine just not really targeting Victor Hoblin this week. Now, Cam Young is the third guy in this range. He was T3 at the PGA Championship last year, but he did have much better form coming in. He really hasn't been great recently since his runner-up at the match play. In his last four stroke play starts, three of the four starts, he's finished 51st or worst. The only other start was a seventh-place finish at the Masters. Now, on the other hand... We mentioned yesterday on the episode, check that out if you haven't already, that this course could play pretty similar to Wingfoot, site of the 2020 U.S. Open, where Bryson DeChambeau just gouged the, you know, the entire course by driving it a mile, not caring whether it was in the fairway or the rough, and then just hacking it out of the rough, right? And if that's the way that this place is going to play, then there's a possibility it suits Cam Young's game pretty well, doesn't it? Because... Cam Young seems to play well at the courses that Bryson DeChambeau plays well at. So if you think that there's a wing foot correlation, absolutely go and target Cam Young this week. Now, Sung JM's the last guy in the 9K range. I think that for once, he's going to be pretty lowly owned. Uh, I think that he's a little overpriced. I think that he's primed for a top 20 or a top 30 finish. In fact, I think he makes a great bet for one of those, but I just don't think he has the upside to win this golf tournament. There's not one thing that he does particularly well. He's not really a guy who has a lot of career wins. I just don't think he gives you winning equity at his price tag on DraftKings. I don't think he's a great bet to win the golf tournament either. Now, heading into the upper 8K range on DraftKings, I thought it was going to be very lowly owned. And in fact, as I was typing up my notes for this episode on Sunday, uh, that's what I was typing. And then Jason Day and Justin, Dustin Johnson go and win the golf tournament they were playing, right? Jason Day winning at the Byron Nelson, Dustin Johnson winning on Live. But now they're probably going to be much higher owned you know, this week than they would have been a week ago. But also at the same time, I think they're priced lower because the pricing came out last Thursday than if the pricing came out today. So I think there's a little bit of give and take with that. Now, both of these guys give you a lot of upside, and, and I think they're kind of similar plays in my opinion. Both have won major championships. Both have played very well in their major championship history. Both have all the requisite skills to win this. They, they're both good off the tee. They're both good on approach. They both have a short game. They're both, you know, pretty good with 
with the putter, all things considered. So there's no real holes in the game of either Jason Day or Dustin Johnson. Now, the only thing going against Jason Day, and I found this stat, and it's really kind of incredible. There had not been a lot of people who have won back-to-back PGA Tour event and then major in back-to-back weeks. The only people who have done that feat are Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Rory McIlroy, Sandy Lau, and Lee Trevino which is a very short list. That's the only people who've done it since 1970. So I just don't think that that stat bodes particularly well for Day to win the golf tournament. But hey, he doesn't have to win for you to play him in DFS. And I like both Day and DJ for DFS purposes. Now, the rest of the 8K range, I personally see having pretty low ownership. I think everybody starts their build with two guys above 9K, or they go with one of the big three, and then they go with Day or DJ. And so I think that the rest of the 8K range is going to kind of go relatively unignored, or you might have people that just play one guy out of this range. And so I think that you're going to see pretty low ownership across the board in the 8K range. Now, there are some guys in this range that I like. I'm not going to talk about every single guy in this range, but I do want to hit the guys that I like. Max Homa. The skill set is there. You know, he's won at Riviera, which is a long, difficult golf course where you got to hit fairways, you got to be good with long irons, and it's tough to get up and down from the short game areas. And he flashes that skill set in elevated events in all fields, right? But he just hasn't really played well at major championships in his career. That's the only strike going against Max Homa. If really, if we could just ignore his majors history, I I think Max Home would probably be priced up there above Dustin Johnson and Jason Day, but unfortunately it is there. And so that is kind of the one monkey he has to get off of his back. And I think that he does have a chance to do it this week here at Oak Hill. Matt Fitzpatrick, for being a little guy, is deceptively long and very accurate off the tee. And so I think that does play well for him. And he has won a major in the Northeast. He won at the Country Club last year. He also has a win recently at Harbortown, as well as a 10th place finish at the Masters. Uh, I personally don't know why he's priced all the way down here on DraftKings, but I absolutely think Matt Fitzpatrick has the upside to win this golf tournament. Sayat Thigawa is also a sneaky play in my opinion. He has a lot of top 10s in elevated events, including a ninth place finish at the Masters. He just has the game where he hits it a mile, he hits it accurate, and you know I think he's just really talented. Now granted, might he bogey the first four holes and be out of the tournament by Thursday morning? Yeah, it's a possibility. But I think that he is supremely talented and I kind of have no problem going for him because he has flashed the upside in tough field events. But my favorite play in the 8K range, is Shane Lowry, big Shane Lowry. I feel like you got to call him big Shane Lowry. But anyway, his major championship record is outstanding. He won the 2019 Open Championship and has a number of top fives and top tens in majors. And if you look at the last five PGA championships, he is sixth in strokes gained total cumulatively for those last five PGA championships. He generally plays the PGA championship pretty well. He also excels in crappy weather. And it's looking like it's going to be decent weather at Oak Hill this weekend in terms of precipitation. But it does look like it's going to be pretty cold. And I don't know, kind of just you look at a cold and damp golf course that's kind of like Shane Lowry's jam. So I just really think this is a good spot for Shane Lowry. I think he is as far down the board as I would go in terms of betting an outright winner. Um, And I do think he absolutely gives the winning upside to win this golf tournament. He's another guy kind of like Tony Finau where if the putter cooperates, he finishes extremely well because he has all the other facets of his game going. All right, so that does it for the 8K range and above on DraftKings. So let's take ourselves a quick breather, and then let's talk about some value plays. 
All right, so before we talk about the value plays, I do want to give a quick plug. If you go to my Twitter, at Mike's Money Picks, I did post screenshots from a Google Sheet that I made where I analyzed the pricing on FanDuel versus DraftKings for different guys' price tags on both sites. So if you are playing on one or the other, you can kind of check to see where, oh, okay, I like this guy. Where should I play him more on, DraftKings or FanDuel? Where is he a better value on DraftKings or FanDuel? And I can go ahead and give this away. It is on Twitter. It's public information. But Taylor Moore represents a huge value on FanDuel. I think he's a little overpriced on DraftKings, but I think in FanDuel he is a supreme value, whereas the opposite of that is JT Poston down there at $6,300 on DraftKings, much higher on FanDuel. JT Poston presents a huge value on DraftKings. There are more names on that list. If you go check it out on my Twitter, at Mike's Money Picks, it is the pinned tweet. While you're there, retweet my tweet about this podcast. It helps me out a lot, really gets the word out there, uh, and I really do appreciate it. All right, now back to the values. There's a lot of attractive options near the top of the 7K range. Some of my favorites, Adam Scott has back-to-back top 10 finishes coming in. He has a great major championship history, and he has great history at the comp courses and really just courses all over the Northeastern United States. He's another one you know, where if the putter gets going, look out because his ball striking absolutely gives him the ability to win this golf tournament. Now, Keegan Bradley has strung together a list of quality finishes this PGA Tour season, but hasn't really had a pop performance since the Zozo um, Championship back in the fall, but he absolutely has the ability to do it. He's another guy that if just the putter cooperates, it's there, and he really does have that. He's also the king of the American Northeast. He won at another Donald Ross design course, Aronimic, at the 2018 BMW Championship, and he tends to always play well in the U.S. Northeast. Have no problem going to Keegan Bradley this week. Justin Rose is another guy I like, whose recent form is pretty solid. He's got four straight finishes of 36th or better. He also has a win this season at Pebble Beach. He's also won a major. It was a decade ago, the 2013 U.S. Open at Marion. He's another guy who plays well in the Northeast, which is not shocking when you consider that he is the best pure putter on bent grass in the field. So if he's able to be a good ball striker this week and hit a lot of greens, he's going to give you a good putting performance, unlike a lot of the other guys we've talked about so far. And so for that reason, I really do like Justin Rose this week. Ricky Fowler. Honestly, one of the nominees for biggest missed prices on DraftKings, in my opinion, he has not missed a cut since October. Now, his recent form coming in, like in terms of like more recent than October, has been pretty good too. He's got four straight top 15 finishes, three of which have been at elevated events. And his performances in majors, while he's never won one, has actually not been terrible. He doesn't really have a whole lot of top fives and top tens, but he has made the cut in 20 out of 22 majors that he has played in since 2016. It's about 90%. It's pretty good. So if you're looking to like string together a made cut parlay or you know maybe to do like an each way bet for a winner, Ricky Fowler, really good nominee for that. Now, right next to him, Ricky Fowler is always more popular on DFS sites than Patrick Reed is because people just don't like Patrick Reed. However, there's a lot of reasons to play Patrick Reed this week. He played well at Augusta. You know, he was T4 at the Masters in April, and he's been in the top 13 at each of the last four live events. And when you look at Patrick Reed, he's just a guy who shows up at major championships and shows up at difficult golf courses. He's a guy who hits a lot of fairways, hits a lot of greens, and when he doesn't hit the green, he's got an elite short game. He's really good around the greens, really good at getting up and down. And I think that he is, you know, kind of a nominee in here that if this really gets to be a difficult golf tournament this week, he's a guy whose game should really excel at Oak Hill. Now, Wyndham Clark is another guy that I like a lot. Look, he just won the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow, which is an elevated event. So he played in a field 
that had all these guys, except for Raman Scheffler and except the live guys, and he won it at a fairly difficult golf course. He is a guy right now who is playing absolutely elite in terms of strokes gained approach, and he's also really long off the tee. Now, he doesn't really have much major championship history to speak of, but Wyndham Clark, just the game sets up really well for this place, in my opinion. I have no problem playing him on DraftKings or FanDuel. Now, also, if there was ever a time to play Bryson DeChambeau, this might be it. If you want to make the comparison that this place is like Wingfoot, home of his one major championship victory, then like this would be it, right? People think that this is going to play like Wingfoot. Well, Bryson won at Wingfoot. And as bad as his game was in the last calendar year, he kind of dropped us a breadcrumb with a fifth-place finish at Live Tulsa this past weekend. So maybe can Skinny Bryson string together a good run at the PGA this week? I don't know, but I don't think he's going to be highly owned because of what he's done in the last calendar year. And I don't know. I just kind of think that there's a little bit of a chance for a really good performance out of Bryson. Now, the bottom of the 7K range on DraftKings does have some guys who will be popular really quickly. Kirk Kitayama and Keith Mitchell are great drivers of the golf ball. Both have flashed upside at elevated events and difficult golf courses so far this season. No problem playing them. Just know I expect them to be two of the more popular guys. Another one that I expect to be popular is Siwoo Kim, who is coming off of a runner-up at the Byron Nelson, where he made a lot of birdies thanks to his ball striking and put himself in position with a high green regulation rate. You're going to need that this week if you want to win. And then there's Mito Pereira, who has been hit or miss on live, but is coming off of a third-place finish at last year's PGA. Really, through 71 holes, he was the winner of that PGA Championship. Like, he just, he kind of dominated the week and then just kind of fell apart on the back nine on Sunday. And so, I don't know if that, you know, does that make me want to play him more because he has the potential to dominate a PGA championship? Or does it make me want to play him less because there's a little bit of a mental block? I don't know, but I definitely expect him to be popular, and I definitely think he has the game to contend. Now, my two favorite guys in the lower 7K range are Harris English and Gary Woodland. Harris English has a win in the Northeast at the Travelers Championship. He was fourth at that U.S. Open at Wingfoot, won by Bryson DeChambeau. And his recent form, he's coming off of a third-place finish at the Wells Fargo Championship. So Harris English, a lot of good things going for him. And I kind of think that, you know, like I said, he's not a guy I bet to win the golf tournament, but I think he could absolutely give you a top 10 or a top 20. Gary Woodland has really solid form coming in. He has four straight top 40 finishes, two of which are top 15. He played really well at Bethpage Black, which was the last major championship in New York. Actually, I'm sorry, that was inaccurate. Is the last PGA championship in New York. I, I misspoke there. Now, Gary Woodland is also kind of like a lot of the guys we talked about kind of like a Scotty Scheffler or a Tony Finau, where he just has elite ball striking numbers, but he's been worse with the putter than those two guys have been. So like, he's just really bad with the putter. And if you can get just a neutral putting week out of Gary Woodland, then you can get a really good performance out of him. When you get a plus putting week out of Gary Woodland, he wins the U.S. Open, which he did in 2019. People forget he is a major champion. And so Gary Woodland is probably my number one nominee. If you're looking for a long shot winner bet, Bet it on Gary Woodland and get yourself an each way where you still get money back if he gets like a top eight or a top six. Like, I, I think he really is the guy down here at this range who gives you that big upside because all he needs is the putter to cooperate because the rest of his game is still there. Now, looking in the 6K range, it's, um, 
not going to lie, it's kind of rough. Like, I feel like when you look at lineup construction this week, there's a lot of guys who aren't even going to go down to the 6K range. They're just going to fill out their lineup with some of those guys from the lower or mid 7K range because really, if you don't try to get too aggressive at the top, you can do that and avoid the 6K range entirely. Now, what I do want to mention with the 6K range is there's a lot of different options depending on what you're targeting in terms of recent form, course fit, just their overall game. There's a lot of different ways you can go. Now, the primary DP World Tour players, in my opinion, give you more talent per dollar than the rest of this range. Like they're just better at golf than a lot of the other guys that are sitting here in the 6K range on DraftKings. Now, if you want a full list of those guys, here you go. Robert McIntyre, Yannick Paul, Jordan L. Smith, Adrian Moronk, Ryan Fox, Thorbjorn Olsson, and then all the way down the board, you got David Michaeluzzi as a min price. We talked about him last week, and he did make the cut at the Byron Nelson. Of that list, I probably prefer Moronk, um, who I think is just, he's really talented. And then I like Ryan Fox, who's just an absolute bomber off the tee. Nikolai Hoygaard is another one who's just an absolute bomber off the tee that if you think this turns into a drive and gouge contest like Wingfoot, those are two guys I would target. Now, if you're just looking at this range for a made cut, not really winning upside, maybe you're sticking these guys in a made cut parlay, maybe you're playing a cash game on DraftKings, I think Adam Hadwin and Matt Kuchar are those guys, they're really good ball strikers, they're playing super consistent golf, um, and they're, they tend to be pretty good at places where par is a good score, they're really good par makers, not great birdie makers, uh, and so I definitely think those two guys, good for a made cut parlay, good for a cash game, Probably not going to give you a top 20 finish, but two guys that you can go to as plays here in the 6K range on DraftKings. Now, in terms of recent form, the two guys on the PGA Tour that are the best down here are Bo Hostler and Hayden Buckley. Um, they're both playing really solid golf recently, but I really don't know how this course will fit either of them. Both of them have kind of excelled at the easier golf courses on the PGA Tour, um, not really playing the difficult courses all that well. Just It's kind of just the nature of their games. They're guys who can drive it a long ways but aren't really super-duper accurate and then can be super inconsistent with their irons and with their putter. Now, the one thing I think going for Hossler is that he did play well at Pebble Beach, which is the smallest greens on the PGA Tour. So if you can hit a lot of greens at Pebble Beach, you can hit a lot of greens here at Oh, kill. At least that would stand to reason. Now, two guys that really are short game specialists and play well in major championships in tough conditions are Brian Harmon and Mackenzie Hughes. Um, both of those guys have top tens in majors where it gets difficult and where they're just able to grind out pars where other guys aren't. Uh, and I would have no problem playing either of them two in a DraftKings lineup for that reason. Now, of all the live guys in this 6K range, I like Harold Varner III, HV3. He has three straight top 11s on live, which is pretty good. He charged up the leaderboard on Sunday at live for a fourth place finish. And his major championship history isn't terrible. Like, he's been in the top 30 in his last two major appearances. He was also in the final pairing with Brooks Kepka on Sunday at Beth Page Black in 2019. However, he shot, I believe it was an 81 on Sunday, and very quickly fell out of contention and just, you know, the finish doesn't look impressive, but he was, in fact, in the final pairing with Brooks Kepka. And so I think the HV3 does give you a pretty good amount of upside in here. And then Matt Wallace is another one that, if you don't care about recent form, uh, or if you do care about recent form but want it to be good just kind of plug your nose and ignore it because he's coming off three straight missed cuts but he does have you know 
decent comp course history. He was T3 at that PGA Championship at Bethpage Black um, that I just mentioned earlier. So I definitely think that there is a chance that, you know, we have history of Matt Wallace performing well at a PGA Championship. All right, so that does it for the values on the DraftKings board. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather and let's talk about some one and done. All right, so now we're talking one and done. So I really think that this is a interesting crossroads for strategy in one and done contests because you're looking at a major championship and I think there's a lot of people that are sitting there saying, well, why would I not play the live guys at majors because I only have four opportunities to use them and it would allow me to be more aggressive and use four more golfers over the course of the season. Well, I really, if I'm being totally honest, I don't know how much value that actually gets to you. As we look here at the summer schedule, there's not a whole lot of elevated events left. So there's going to be some events where you're going to be kind of playing guys who you wouldn't think of normally playing. And there's also guys who are going to come on strong lately. Like last year, you know, Cameron Young came on strong around this time of year. Davis Riley came on strong. Saeed Thagawa had some good finishes. You know, like there's just, there's names that are going to pop up that you're going to be able to play that I don't think you necessarily have to play live guys at all four majors. And I also think that if there was ever any time that the live guys weren't going to play well, I think you can make the argument that it's here. Because I think when you look at the live guys performances at Augusta, the guys that played well were the guys who always play Augusta well. Bill Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, Patrick Reed, they're always good at Augusta. So, of course, they're going to be good at Augusta National. They've played it, you know, countless times. But this week, it's like a new course for all of them. And so I think that, you know, it, it would be reasonable to not expect the live guys to play as well. Now, if you are going to use a live guy, I think you can. Like, I think it's absolutely an option. I'm not saying you have to. I would not pick one outside of Brooks DJ or Patrick Reed. That that's just my personal opinion. Brooks Kepka is going to be the chalk one and done pick this week. Coming off of his performance at the Masters, coming off of, you know, if you look at his game log, he's been pretty good on live and I just think that everybody's going to be like, "Oh, Brooks Kepka at a major done, like lock it in." And so if you're near the top of the leaderboard and you're one and done, absolutely go for it. Just you're not going to lose ground to people by playing Brooks Kepka. Now, if you are looking to play a live guy that's a little outside the box, Mito Pereira would probably be the guy that I would go with in that regard. Now, in the non-live division, I think you can, like I said, I think you can still play non-live guys. When you're looking at your league, there's a lot of people that have already used Scotty, Rom, and Rory. So they're going to be decently low owned for this event if you want to play any of them. Now, granted, do I think that there's still places left on the schedule that all of them fit well? Absolutely, I do. You know, you got Scotty at Colonial, you got Rom at Memorial, you got Rory at the Open at Royal Liverpool. There's definitely options for saving those guys if you do. So I'm personally going to be saving all of them. And I still have Scotty in one and I still have Rom in one. Now, the next little tier of Xander, Cantlay, Finau, and JT. That's where I would probably make my home this week if I was not going to play Brooks Kepka. Um, I think that all four of them give you some winning upside. Um, all four of them are guys that don't necessarily have one course on their remaining schedules like, oh, you have to play Xander at X course. Like, I don't think that's the case. Granted, do they all have courses where they've won at remaining on the schedule? Yes, they do. Xander's won at the Travelers and the Scottish Open. Xander has won, or I'm sorry, Cantlay has won at the Memorial. Finau has won at Rocket Mortgage and 3M. So I think there's definitely options for saving them, but I really think that that's kind of the range where it would be my home this week if I was not playing Brooks Kepka as, you know, kind of the chalky play. So personally, 
Finau is my ride or die this week. So I have no problem going with Finau, but I kind of think that Xander, Cantlay, or JT, along with Finau, do give you a really solid option for one and done this week. All right, so that does it for the one and done analysis, and that does it for our PGA Championship DFS betting and one and done preview. Hopefully, the information that you heard here in this episode is going to help you win a lot of money this week. If you like what you heard here on Mike's Money Picks, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll be notified when new episodes drop. And please rate and review. It really helps me out a lot. If you also really want to help me out a lot, please, however you found this podcast, whether it's Twitter, Spotify, whatever, please share it. Retweet it on Twitter. Send the link on Spotify. Help me get the word out. Help me grow this audience base. I really do appreciate it. I really do think we're giving out good information that can help you win here on Mike's Money Picks. And I would be more than happy to help out more people. So get the word out if you like what you're hearing. Now, like I said, that does it for this episode, guys. I am, like, honestly, I was not looking forward to this PGA Championship when I saw that it was Oak Hill on the schedule because of, I like, it was really one of the most unremarkable major championships when it was here a decade ago. But kind of seeing everything that I've seen, kind of seeing the pictures, watching the videos, you know, seeing all the coverage, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And this should be a really good golf tournament, and I can't wait to watch it. And I really hope that we're able to pick some winners this week and win us some money. So best of luck to you guys in whatever your endeavors are this week, whether it's DFS, bets, or one and done. Hopefully I'm able to help you out with that. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.